Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. God is the quintessential visionary of the universe. Now let me give you just a little biblical background on that statement about God being a visionary and let's start let's start macro and go micro. Let's start big and grand vision and work to the smaller individual visions he has. First of all, God has one grand vision for all the universe. One grand vision for all of the universe. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from God and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Here is the one grand vision that God has for the universe, and that is for His glory. That this universe would bring Him glory. That's the purpose of it. Secondly, God has an identical vision for every son and daughter of His. An identical vision. Romans 8, 29, For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God's vision for you that's an identical vision for every son and daughter of His is that is for you to be like Jesus. To grow in increasing measure into the person in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, God has a unified vision for every local church. A unified vision for every local church. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore, Jesus said, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The unified vision that God has for every local church is that is to make disciples of His. Make disciples of Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, God has a unique individual vision for every son or daughter. A unique individual vision for every son or daughter. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Speaking of Christians, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So for every follower of Jesus Christ, they are the workmanship of God, and God has not only crafted them, worked them, but He has works for them, works that He prepared in advance, individual, specific works 
for you as a son or you as a daughter of God to do. So God is the quintessential visionary of the universe. So I think one way to assess our lives, evaluate our lives is to say this, our job is to discover what the vision of God is for our life and then to leverage our energies and our intellect and our resources and our time toward the discovery and the fulfillment of that vision. So what I want to do this morning as we stand here on the threshold of 2015 and we look into a new year, I want to talk to you about vision. We're going to do that this Sunday and next Sunday kind of in a two-part mini-series. And next Sunday is a red-letter vision day in the life of Cornerstone Church. Next Sunday, we are going to be commissioning and sending out a church plant team from Cornerstone Church that we have been praying about for about 17 years and working toward aggressively for about two years. And we're going to see the visible, one of the visible fruits of a vision that God has for this church, this sending the empowered aspect of the vision for this church, that we would become a church that plants churches. And we're going to see that come to fruition next Sunday morning. And so what I want to do this morning in part A of this talk about vision, is I want to talk to you about vision in a general sense. And then next Sunday, we're going to look at the specific vision for Cornerstone Church and see a part of that become a reality. So this morning, what we're going to do is we just talk about vision in a general sense. We're going to talk about how we can work toward seeing the vision of God fulfilled for our individual lives. And to do that, we're going to look at a great visionary from the Old Testament. A man that God used in incredible ways, one of the heroes of the Old Testament, and it comes from what is probably my favorite story out of the Old Testament. Turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I have preached many times over the last 17 years from the story of David and Goliath, and I'm going to do that again this morning, and I've preached many different messages from this story, and we're going to do that again this morning as we talk about vision and see some lessons about vision from this visionary, this young man by the name of David. So here's the setup. David is the son of Jesse, and he is the youngest of many brothers, and his eldest brothers are with the Israelite army as soldiers at battle with the Philistines. And so his father says to David, the one that cares for the sheep, what I want you to do is I want you to get some supplies, some provisions, and I want you to go to the battle line, and I want you to take the supplies to your older brothers, and I want you to find out how it goes for them on the battlefront. And so David does what his father asks him to do in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 20 to 24. And so we're going to watch this story unfold, and we're going to look 
for some keys, some lessons about vision from the life of this young man, David, and I'm going to give them to you under four headings, four key words, and here's the first one, conviction. A critical word related to vision is conviction. 1 Samuel 17 Verses 20 to 24, and David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Let me just pause there for a moment. What do you mean spoke the same words as before? Well, earlier in the chapter, we see the battle line and Goliath come out. And for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath steps out and he, in his same defiant challenge, mocks Israel and Israel's God. And here... On the 41st day, David shows up just as Goliath is coming out. Middle of verse 23, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, here was the defining moment in David's life. In this moment, there was set into place a chain of events that would bring David toward the fulfillment of the grand vision that God had, the unique vision that God had for his individual life. And so what I want to show you here, what I want to draw out of the story is to look closely and see what was included in this defining moment for David. And from that, draw some lessons about vision for you and me. First of all, I want to show you what David saw. What did David see? Well, he saw the Israelite army, his army that his brothers were serving in. He saw them all dressed for battle, but riding the pine. He saw them all geared up, ready to fight, but sitting on the bench and not getting involved. And when the heat got turned up, number two, he saw the warriors of God living in fear. And then number three, he saw an enemy standing in defiance against God's people and against God himself. Let me just sum all of that up. David saw a problem. A very significant problem problem. And what David saw began to work in his heart. It wasn't comfortable what he saw. It wasn't pleasing what he saw. But what he saw, God began to use as an impetus through which he would see the fulfillment of the vision that he had for David accomplished. And ladies and gentlemen, it will be the same way with you and me. 
be the same way. God has a vision for you. And the way that God works, we see this time and time again in biblical history, and I've seen it time and time again, not only in my personal life, but in the lives of godly men and women that I've been around. And what happens is this, God begins to show us something that should not be. He shows us a problem. He shows us something from His divine perspective. He gives us a little glimpse into the world and He lets us see something that strikes our heart, that causes us pain, that causes us, if we're listening to Him, to rise up and say, wait a minute, that should not be happening. And that's what took place with David. David saw a problem. He saw something that should not be. And just as it was with David, it is also true with us. When that happens, what God is doing through that revelation to your heart and your mind is He's giving you an invitation that He wants you to get engaged in taking that thing that should not be and dealing with it, with His power. So first of all, that's what David saw. What did David hear? What did David hear? First of all, David heard the war cry. First Samuel seventeen twenty, And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line shouting the war cry. Secondly, he heard the enemy's defiance. I'm going to read you verse 10 when Goliath would come out and repeat his charge for 40 days and 40 nights. Listen to what he would say, 1710. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And on this 41st day, David just happens to arrive at the battle line as Goliath makes his challenge. Isn't God's timing so impeccable? Number three, what else did David hear? He heard the king's promise. Heard the king's promise. He says, what will be done for the man, this is Brad Suter paraphrase, who shuts this guy up? Verse 25, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Let me just point out specifically what David heard. Number one, David heard three, by the way, David heard three motivational things here related to him pursuing the vision. Number one, he heard that there would be great wealth. Number two, he heard that there would be a beautiful woman. And number three, he heard no taxes. Now, if that wouldn't fire you up, what would? That's what that phrase means. And make his father's house free in Israel. That means he gets a permanent tax break. Wealth, the king's daughter, and no taxes. That's what he heard. What he saw and what he heard. What did David know? 
What did David know? Look closely at the last half of verse 26. Here is David's comment to this defiant giant. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let me just point out three words or phrases. Who is this giant that he should defy? You see, David understood what was happening here. He understood that Goliath was defying not just a people, but he was defying God because the Israelites were God's people. And he said, who is this giant that he should defy the armies of God? So what was at stake here? What David knew was at stake was the reputation of God was at stake. And that fired David up. Because he loved his God. And the reputation of God himself was being slandered. Secondly, David said, Who is this giant that he should defy the armies of God? In other words, here's what David knew. David knew that God was for Israel. That Israel was his people. That they were the very army of God. God's reputation was at stake, that the Israelites were God's people, God's army. And then number three, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the what kind of God? The living God. Here's what David knew. God was alive and well. He was being defamed. His army was right there, but he was alive and well. Now, those three things are true today. Just like they were true for David. There is a problem in our world today. And there's a problem about God being defied, about God being ridiculed about his people being shamed and where are the people that are rising up to do something about the situation so here's what happened David's eyes and David's ears and David's mind what he saw what he heard what he knew, God used those as a venue through which to speak a burden into the heart of David, to grip the heart of David and bring David to a, here's the word, conviction. A conviction. A conviction that what was taking place right there on that battlefield was something that should not be taking place. There was a problem that needed to be addressed. And ladies and gentlemen, God works in the same way today. The very same way. God shows us things and lets us hear things and brings to our mind thoughts that are meant to produce in us a conviction to 
look at some things in the world to see some revelation from Him of some things that should not be. And those realizations are invitations by God to say, I'm showing you this. I'm giving you a burden and a passion in your heart about this problem because what I'm saying to you is I want you and me to do something about it together. That's exactly what was taking place here in David's life. And what David, the reason David was able to capitalize on this and have produced in his life what none of the other warriors of Israel, right? The army was there. None of them were responding like David. They were all fleeing. Now, why was David able to hear what he heard and see what he saw and think what he thought? Because he was open to the voice of God. He was open to the voice of God. How do I know that? Well, here's what we know about David. He's the one that practiced the presence of God all the time. He was used to talking with God. He was used to dialogue with God, hearing from God, and God speaking to him. He would be out as a young shepherd on the hillside, and he would write his songs of worship and spend time in communion with God, practicing the presence of God so that when he showed up at that battlefield that day, he had his ears open and his eyes open and his mind open so that God could speak into it and communicate right into David's heart a deep conviction showing him something that should not be and rising him up to step out and do something about what should not be. He wants to do that with us if we'll listen, if we'll be tuned in. But finally, what did David experience? What did he experience? David's attitude here on the battlefront, it brought a response from his older brother and his king. And there were negative, even painful responses. And in them are some critical lessons for us about vision and about pursuing the vision that God is revealing to us. So let's just look at those. First of all, David experienced resentment. Look at verse 28a. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men saying, what's going to be done for this man that defeats Goliath? And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He resented him. People, at times when you pursue your catching a vision for what God has for you, at times when you pursue that, people, even people that you love, will rise up in resentment against that vision. And there are maybe a variety of reasons why they do that. I think here with Eliab, it's jealousy. He's running from the enemy. And here's his little brother. Say that. 
giant can't talk about my God like that. He was cut to the heart, I believe. He was jealous of the courage of his little brother. And so what he does is he resents him for it. People at times when even godly people will resent you and your pursuit of God's vision for you. But here's a lesson that we can learn from this, that we can learn from David. Lesson about vision, it's this. Get over wanting to be liked. Get over wanting to be liked. That's not your call from God is to be liked. Your call from God is really to live for an audience of one, not an audience of everybody. Get over wanting to be liked. Number two, David experienced not only resentment but ridicule. Look at verse 28b. Eliab said to David, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You see him insulting him here? You're just a little shepherd boy that has a few sheep you're taking care of. Why would you come down here to the battlefront? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know what resentment usually leads to? It usually leads to ridicule and insult. And Eliab, the older brother here, is attacking David's motives. That happens at times when you pursue the vision that God has for you, that people around you resent and ridicule what you're trying to do. Do you know what the enemy likes to do in his ridicule of you? He likes to ridicule you where it will hurt the most. I've seen this personally in my own life. I see it on the pages of Scripture. He likes to attack you where it'll hurt the most. And here's the way he does that. I'm going to show you this right here from the story of David. He wants to tell you that you're bad at the very things that you're gifted in, that you're good in. He wants to take your strength and he wants to accusingly point a finger at it and say it's a weakness. Now you say, where is that in the story right here of David? Well, let me show you. You see what a... Eliab attacked with David. He said, I know your presumption and the evil of your what? The evil of your heart. Now, listen, what was David known for? He was a man after the very heart of God. When Samuel, when God sent Samuel the prophet to to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons, he said to him, I don't want you to look at the outward appearance Because man looks at the outward appearance. God says, here's what I look at. I look at the heart. And when David showed up, he said to Samuel, there he is, right there. There's a man after my own heart. Anoint him, future king of Israel. You see, what was David's strength? He had a heart for God. And the very thing that's being attacked here is his heart. And Eliab is saying, you have an evil heart. The accuser of the brethren is using this situation to say that David is weak in the area where he's strong. 
The enemy will do that to us. That's happened in my own ministry where I've been attacked in the areas where I know that God has most gifted me. So, what is the lesson to be learned from David, this young visionary? Well, here it is, pretty simple. Expect to be ridiculed. Just expect it. The consistent story in Scripture is that it happens. And I've had that take place in my own life multiple times. Expect it. It goes with the campaign. It doesn't mean you're on the wrong track. It could very well be a roadside saying, you're going the right way, Brad. You're going the right way. As you're pursuing God's vision for you, expect to be ridiculed. What else did David experience? He experienced not only resentment and ridicule, he experienced disbelief. Look at verse 33. Word gets back to Saul that there's this guy at the battlefield that is talking courageously and saying he wants to shut Goliath up. And so he calls for him and in walks this young man, David. And here's what Saul said to him in verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go up against this Philistine and fight with him for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. You know what some will do when you begin to pursue the vision God has for you? At times people will line up to tell you what you can't do. They'll tell you what you can't do, why you can't do it, and what will happen if you try to do it. It goes with the program. So here's the lesson. Lesson we can learn from David. This is exactly what he did. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the naysayers. If you've heard something from God, if God's given a vision for your life or a vision for a specific circumstance that He wants you to walk into and there are naysayers around you, don't tune into them. You know who you should tune into? You should tune into the other visionaries around your life that who themselves are courageously pursuing what God has for them and draw courage from them, not discouragement from the naysayers. <clears throat> and then number four, David experienced bad counsel. Bad counsel. When he wouldn't be dissuaded. Here's what King Saul tried to do. Verse 38 and 39. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. You know what Saul wanted to do? Saul wanted to make David like Saul. Saul wanted to make David like Saul. Here's the lesson from the visionary, David. Be yourself. Be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to fulfill the vision God has for you by doing it like someone else would do it. Do it the way God's made you. Now, this is, this is harder for those that are 
younger in the faith or just younger in years. It's pretty common for someone younger to look and try to model and mimic those around them. And I'm not saying we shouldn't look and learn and have examples and mentors, but God made you the way He made you. And He has a specific purpose and plan for your life that nobody else can fulfill. He's got good works for you to do that He prepared in advance for you and for only you. And you'll get those done by being who God made you to be by using the giftings and the skills and the talents that He has given you. Then it'll be dynamic. If you try to go in somebody else's armor, it'll be cumbersome and you have not tested them. So what you need to do, I'm just going to draw another principle out of here. What you need to do is you need to get really good with some skill of your own and stick with that skill. Stick with that gifting. You see, when you discover what your gifting is and how you work in the sweet spot of your life, work right there in that sweet spot where you have tested it. So practice and develop and learn the skill and hone the craft and then use that. For the glory of God, be yourself. So what David saw and what David heard and what David knew and what David experienced all developed within him a burning conviction and that conviction led way to a decision. That's the second key word and I'll just hit these really quick. A decision. And that decision became the defining moment of his life when all the Israelites were running in fear. David was moving toward the battle line. And the decision that he made was going to change the course of that entire nation and every one of those soldiers who were running in fear because of the decision David made. They were going to turn and begin to flee the enemy and win the victory. And what decision did David make? Let me just put it to you in simple terms that's applicable to us. David made a decision to make a difference. David made a decision to make a difference. He looked at this situation that should not be, and he said, by the power and the help of God, I am not going to sit back and let this continue that has been going on day after day. I'm making a decision that I'm going to make a difference, and God's going to use me to take what should not be and change it into what should be. He made that decision. And what God wants to do is He wants to, if we'll tune into Him, He wants to take the things that we see and the things that we hear and the truth that we know and the experiences that we face and He wants to use those to speak into us a conviction and have that fanned into a burning white hot flame so that that conviction becomes a point where we make a decision that we're going to make a difference and change that situation with the help of God. So conviction led to decision, and then decision led to action. 
1 Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistines. He stepped out. He got engaged in the battle. He followed through in his decision into an action. What burden is God birthing in your life? As you listen and look and think and experience, what is God saying to you that surrounds your life that should not be? Or is He inviting you to say, I want you to come and join me, make the decision to make a difference and step out in faith and do something about it? David's conviction led to a decision. His decision led to an action. And so here's what David did. David picked up his sling. He stepped out in faith and he stepped into history. He picked up his sling. He stepped out in faith and he stepped into history. And what did he do? He did what we need to do. First of all, number one, we need to discover and develop our strengths and stick with them. Our spiritual giftings and use them and fan them into flame. We need to do that. David did that. He took his sling, it says, his tested weapon, his practice craft, his proven skill, and that's what he used to take care of the problem that he faced. He used the giftings that God had given him, not somebody else. We need to discover and develop our spiritual giftings and fan them into a flame and use them to take care of what God shows us He wants us to be involved in. And then, secondly, though David developed his strength and stuck with it, he didn't depend on his strength. Number two, he depended upon God. Listen to verse 45 to 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hand. See, David said, I'm using my skill, my craft, my strength, but here's what I know. It's not me. It's God that's going to win the victory. This is God's battle, and God's power is going to step in, and God is going to defend himself, and he's going to use me to do it. He's going to use me to do it. Full confidence that God would use him as he stepped out and stepped up in courage to shut up this defier. David was not trusting in his slingshot. David was trusting in his God. So conviction 
led to decision. Decision led to action. Action led to victory. Verses 48 to 50, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Conviction led to action. Action led to... Dis- no, conviction led to decision. Decision led to action. Action led to victory. And guess what victory led to? You remember where we began the message? Victory led to God's glory. God's glory. What's it all about? It's all about the glory of God. God is the quintessential visionary of the universe. And what it's all about is His glory. And what He wants to do is He wants you to walk in the good works that He has fashioned in advance for you to do. And He'll enable you to do that as you tune in and listen to Him and look and listen, and think, and respond to the circumstances of life under the leadership of the Spirit, and He'll invite you into the game, and He'll enable you and use you to work for His glory to the fulfillment of the vision that He has for you. Now, what I want to do as we close here is I just want to pray over you. Would you please stand? And we'll have an elder over here to my right. If you need to be prayed over this morning, you can go to the altar over here and the elder will pray for you or you can come and pray on either side by yourself if you like. But I just want to pray a prayer as we stand on the threshold here of 2015 that we would be people this year empowered by God toward the fulfillment of His vision for us, ultimately for His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing. That you have chosen to use us in your campaign for your glory. So Lord, help us to tune in. Help us to practice your presence so that we can hear and see and understand and experience what we need to experience that will give us conviction that leads to decision, that leads to action that leads to victory, that culminates in your glory. Pray that for this church as a whole for 2015. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen.